I'm Leslie. And welcome to Quince. A little sweet. A little tart. A little unexpected. It's Monday, August 24th, 2015. And the word of the day is... Light. Light? Who picked that one, Leslie? You picked that one. I, I... want you to tell us why. Oh, my goodness. Light just popped into my mind, I think, last time we were doing the podcast. But I've been thinking about it these last two weeks. One of my favorite stories about light, and I use it in my writing classes. I light a candle in the middle of the table, and I have people imagine that they're weary travelers out on a dirt path through the forest, and they come up over the mountain. This is back in the old days, maybe leading their horses. And way off in the distance, they see a pinprick of light. And that's a candle somebody has left in their window. And that's a tradition from colonial days on up. The light in the window signifying that you're open for visitors. Isn't that a nice story? Yeah, that's a great story. Yes. yes. Well, of course, now we do it at Christmas time. Yes, Everybody yeah. likes to put... Yeah. Even if they're fake ones. Yeah, but yeah. Well, um, I had a friend that lived near me, and I put a light in the window so she'd know I was thinking about her for a long time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yes. Because she she could see it from her her bedroom window. Very nice. We miss those friends when they move away. Yeah, exactly. It's been a long time ago. Well, let's see. Another thing with light... Uh, right after we had picked that topic, I was at Mayberry Presbyterian Church, one of the rock churches down the Blue Ridge Parkway, and the woman giving the children's sermon, sermon Arlene Betts, she started talking about her word as being delight. And I said, oh yeah, that's light, delight. I like that. I like the joy of that looking at light that way. Then I started thinking about light, like light food and being on a diet and yeah we don't want to go there no no (laughs) No, really you can't yeah uh when we the whole idea to for me was light like let there be light yes um and then after a bit i started thinking yeah there's another meaning to that word yes lighten your load right yes yes my burden is light right Mm -hmm. Now, I also, uh, uh, one of my friend's co-workers down at the Reynolds Homestead, Sarah Ray, she pointed out to me just today, she said, you know, you have to think about the yin and yang part of light, that there's the dark on the other side. And she's um, just beginning yoga instruction, and her teacher had quoted Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a, a good Georgia author and Mm -hmm. um, minister, just quite a wonderful writer. And she often writes about the dark as being good. Think about it. You could never see the Milky Way. Absolutely. Yes. Aren't we lucky up here? Yeah, but you know, there's a lot more light than there was when I was a kid. Yes. Even, um, even, uh, yeah, just the 50 years that it's been, 
<laughs> that I've lived up here, but there is a lot more light than there used to be. Oh, I'm sure. In here. Yeah, we used to go out in the backyard and there would be millions of stars yeah. when we were little. I'm yeah. lucky at my house that the houses surrounding me, none of us have light, light poles. And what right. do they call those? People have a term for that. Scare lights or something. Yeah, oh yeah, the... Um, Fear lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we the, don't have them. the dust sedan type things. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but there are. It's not quite the same. People um, used to talk about how when they would walk from place to place. See, most, a lot of people have horses, but they were work horses. So this traveler that's looking at your light, the pinpoint wow. of light is probably walking through these mountains. People just did not have a whole lot of transportation. The roads were terrible. And um, so uh, a lot of people tell stories about walking through the woods at night or walking. There were paths all over the top of the mountain going from place to place. And they would talk about walking. And sometimes they'd have a lantern and sometimes they didn't. And my one cousin says that the lantern made the dark um, an enemy. Oh. But when you were walking without the lantern and the, and the dark was close to you, it was friendly. Oh. I like that. <laughs> I like that. And I, I can see that. Yeah. I've walked through the woods at night both ways. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So as long as you don't, maybe if you had a lantern, it might shine off wolves' eyes or yeah, something. Really, yeah, really. That could be part of the fear. <laughs> maybe. Or, or make you imagine seeing things mm. in shadows. And yes. Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my... Favorite thing about light right this second is these little solar lights I have outside. They just delight me no end. You know, mountain people are simple. <laughs> and just the going by the shop or coming in and seeing those little lights out there just makes me so happy. Can I tell a story on myself? Absolutely. Remember when I went and bought one of those solar lights? Yeah, we lights? bought them the same time. Okay. Yeah. Well, yours, you, you're, you're smart. You're mechanical. I shouldn't even tell this. I stuck mine in my flower, you know, a little flower pot right by the steps, and it didn't work. I tried to peel, like, the paper off the top or something. Didn't work. I said, doggone it, I, I got a dud. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, having dinner with friends, and she had those lights around her house. I said, those are wonderful. And she said, well, do you know, I had them for a week or two before I figured you had to pull the paper off, the little string off to make them work. I said, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. So I got home, and I picked that thing up looking for the little string to pull off. And there wasn't one. But then I looked really closely, and there was an on-off switch. Oh, no. <laughs> but now I love that solar oh, light. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yes. goodness. Yes. Yeah. Now, sometimes we can be, I don't know, I can be really dense. <laughs> so. Yeah. I guess. Well, mine had the little strip. Mine you had to take apart and put the battery in and little strips. It had instructions. Oh, no, mine had nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, but it had an on and off switch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my. So, anyway, that's my little light story, too. So. I think you discovered a poem. Yeah, this was interesting. I've been putting books on the Internet, and as you go through, 
I've got a little wall in my shop that I've been taping little things that I find in books. They're huh. just odds and ends of advertisements or old bookmarks. Sometimes they're a little old card or something. What a great idea. Yeah, so I've just been sticking them up there, you know. And uh, so I opened this little book. It was the Girls' Everyday Book. It was put out by the YWCA in 1926. And um, when I opened it up, there was a poem written probably by a teenage girl all full of angst like i wrote a lot of angst written poems when oh i, I, I did too <laughs> yes uh, and um her name was margaret ledbetter and she was from blue ridge virginia i think it's virginia and in 1926 this is the way she was feeling she wrote i walk in darkness stumbling tense through clinging shadow fearful Dense. Oh, for a wave of light to rinse away this pall. <laughs> oh my! But you know, you you do you can tell immediately how she's feeling. And, uh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's really not bad. No. You know, and I don't know that I said P A L L Paul is such a correct. Oh, it's that Paul. Hey. I for some reason I was thinking of a dog's paw. Oh no, you mean a. A Paul. Yeah, well, yeah. A and um, there's a lot of words because I don't hear well. Oh. And that's our signal to start another segment, A Little Sweet. And since our theme was light, I started a new project. Oh, tell us about and it. This was a knitting project. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot about knitting. Now, this is called the Fractured Light Hat by Kristen Kapoor. It's available on the Nitty.com site, and we will have links to different things that we talk about on the show notes. Um, this is a beret-type hat with a little bit of um, interesting detailing. It's got some... Um, different work that makes it look like it's uh, moving zigzags and lace and it's got some funny little buttons. How cute! And it looks absolutely horrible on me. Well, I don't know, Leslie. <laughs> oh, no, sort it's of not me. cute. Not you, particularly. No, it's but not me. Not no. horrible. I have yet to make a hat for myself that works. Really? All that, those years of making hats? I have never made a hat for me that worked. But but uh, the yarn that it, I it's um, made... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's very pretty. The yarn I made it out of was from a um, hand-spun skein that I made uh, several years ago from a bat. A bat is a carded um, flat section of uh, wool. And it had all different colors. It was a lot of fun to spin. It was from a mill called Still River. It's up in Connecticut. And it's alpaca. Oh, so it's let very, me very feel soft. it. Yes. Oh, I wish you all could feel this. It's very, very soft. And um, I blocked it on a uh, big dish, a uh, big dinner plate. Really? So I, uh, I took some pictures of that to get it in the shape that it's supposed to be. And I think even though it doesn't look great on me, I'm probably going to wear it because it comes with mitts, and I love fingerless mitts. So um, that's going to be my next project. I'm going to make it finish the mitts, 
and they have buttons on them too and some interesting details those buttons oh those are yeah those are buttons with kitties on them so I, i'm gonna get uh beth to take a picture of me in the hat so you can all laugh <laughs> and, and i was be up on the bay I was looking at the buttons upside down and thought they were a whale blowing the snort, but it's a kitty cat. It's a little stylized kitty. How cute is that? Yeah. Now tell us a little bit more about, what did you say that was? Lighthouse? Light? It's called Fractured Light. Fractured Light. Uh-huh. And the um, idea of it, um, if you look at the pattern closely, this stitches seem to change direction and all you're really doing is do, just doing knits and purls and offsetting the um, next section of knitting by six stitches. So you have to move the start of your uh, row every so often by six stitches, which made, made an interesting effect. And with this uh, yarn, it didn't, the colors didn't pull up funny, which made it really nice. That was kind of the reason for doing this when you have, sometimes when you're knitting um, a big garment particularly, the colors will blob up and not look good, depending on how the yarn has been dyed. Oh, so, so you all have secrets about things like that. We have secrets about things like that. So this, I can't, it's been so long since I spun this. I, if I remember right, the bat was sort of divided into sections of color. And so as you spun the yarn, you did get sections because if you notice, the bottom of the hat is mostly blue and then the top of the hat is mostly pink. Very pretty. Yeah. So it's, it was interesting. And then the rest of the yarn looks mostly red. Or lilac. Yeah, lilac. Yep. So it's very pretty there. So that was my light. You know, I had to rise to the occasion and come up with light. For that. And it was a really fun knit. You know, a little bit challenging, but I can still do it and talk to people at the stitching group. I have no idea how you can knit six stitches and talk at the same time. <laughs> yep. Well, there's, are, there's such a thing as closet knitting. What's that? That is lace knitting. I have a, I have a closet knitting project right now that I'm working on. It's a, a type of knitting where you really have to concentrate. So you feel like sometimes you just need to go in a closet and shut the door and turn on the lights so nobody will bother you. Very good. So I'm worried, and this one's not terribly hard. It's called the Camilla Flower Petal Shawl. And I'm doing that in a, um, well, it's by Elan at Elan.com. And it's a half circle shawl, and it's got some interesting little wings on it at the end. And I'm doing it in a rayon cotton blend by Georges Picard and it's called Zig and a friend gave me the yarn I think it's quite um, it's probably quite old and not and discontinued so but it's really turning out very pretty and I meant to have that so you could look at it but I don't well you can take a picture so that all of our friends out there yeah. can see it too well and actually right now it looks like somebody's underwear what? Because that's what lace looks like before you block it. Yeah. Now, when you say lace, do you mean real lace? Like, it, like yeah. lace? Like lace. You know, like tablecloth lace. Knitted lace. Yeah. Wow. Knitted lace. This is actually a lace type design, the, the hat. Let's see, it's got holes in it. Mm hmm So it does have some lace work. But, um, yeah, lace as in lacy tablecloths. The first 
lace shawl I ever did I made for my mother. Uh, because she, and this one is very similar to the one that I'm making now. Um, she saw it in a book, and so she came and um, asked me to make her a shawl, so I had to rise to the occasion. Uh, I had never done any lace. I really enjoyed doing it, so I got hooked on it for sure. And then the other project I'm doing is a sweater for a friend of ours, St. Kathleen. Oh, yes. And St. Kathleen. St. Kathleen, me. for sure. And um, if you knew all the things this woman goes through. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I'm doing one. Uh, she wanted a periwinkle colored sweater, a very simple cardigan. And so I'm working on that. And I don't really have a pattern. I'm kind of making it up as I go along to fit. Because she wants it to fit a certain way. So I'm just diving in. This is only the second sweater I've ever made. Really? Yeah. You've made so much of so many things. Yeah. But but that's it. Well, I've made a lot of vests, and I've made a, a lot of little um, overshirts for myself because I like wearing dresses, and sometimes they have spaghetti straps, and I'm getting too old for that. And uh, so I wear these. I have these little jackets, but full sweaters I've never made uh, but one. Wow. Well. Yeah. And we that was also out of my hand spun. So, and then the only other thing I'm doing right now is spinning some Angora that um, it's a special order. And I love, I started spinning with dog hair, so I love spinning Angora. Oh, I remember somebody coming in to buy a book on dog hair knitting or weaving or whatever sure. years ago. And I thought, wow, that's yeah. interesting. It's called Chingora or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, every now and then it pops up on Facebook. Somebody's, especially anybody that owns an Aussie or a Norwegian elk hound, because they live to shed. Right. Well, you know what that reminds me of, being the history person. Um, how people used to weave or knit or whatever they did. I know nothing, people. Um, hair, like of a loved one or... Oh, yeah, those are uh, the Victorian um, jewelry. Yes. That they made. They would, uh, they basically knotted it. Yeah, um, they might have had to twist it some to make it into like a love knot. Right. If I'm remembering right. So, uh, but yeah, you can spin anything that ha is long enough to take a twist. So hair and um, people do um, cotton, of course, it's very short. But people do all kinds of things. You know, uh, uh, I have had walked down the road and eyed milkweed pods. Oh, wouldn't that you know, be something? Except you, you don't want to take them away from the monarch. Right, exactly. You know, they, I have eyed them and, <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, you do have to be sort of ecologically um, friendly. But leftover dog hair, that's a oh, great yeah. idea. And you don't want to get it off the floor because it's dirty. But if you comb it out, uh, I've done several dog hair spinning projects. So. But Angora is um, something special. Because I started started spinning with the dog hair, and then I came home and um, got my great-grandmother's wheel and learned how to spin with wool, and then I got the Angora rabbits and really discovered that I love spinning fine fibers like alpaca and Angora and all that. That's your champagne taste, That's me, yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For sure. And what have you been working on? Well, down at, down at the Reynolds Homestead where I work, we have been taking art in for the Bull Mountain Art 
show, which this is, it's been going on for decades. Well, I was going to ask you how long it's been. Yes, I think 40 years. Sounds about right. Yes, and we've been getting in some great, great art. So I look forward to the reception will be September the 3rd in the evening, and there's a lot of prize money and best of show and all of those things. And these are mostly local artists from Patrick County, Henry County, some Floyd. So it's really a lot of fun and a lot of talent. Yeah, there's a lot of talented people in this area. For sure. And you have a lot of young people involved. Well, now, to. with the youth show, and we always have included the youth in and had a division, but we've decided to give them their own show. Oh, awesome. Yes, so I believe that will be in, maybe in February, sometime in While early spring. In, yeah. Yes, okay. will be their own youth show with their own prize money, and um, we, I think that's a great idea. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've actually won a thing or two at, uh, over the years at um, Bull Mountain. Yeah, Bull Mountain's mm -hmm. art show because of in their crafty category. Yes. So we have a fiber category yeah. for sure. Yeah, now they started a fiber category. That's yes. right. Yes. Kind of split that up. So a lot of interest and a lot well worth going to Kreitz in Patrick County and seeing. Yes. It'll and be up for about a month. Two months. Two months. Mm -hmm. okay. It's all of September and October. And then the winners um, are put up at the Patrick County Library for a month. So you should have some chances to see that. Yes. For sure. So, okay. So we are through with a little sweet. And now we want to be a little tart. A little tart. Yeah. Remind and, us what Okay. Little... The tart section is basically reviews and things that... Um, you know, we've run across, and somewhat about light, mostly. Uh, so you have a couple of books. I did. The first book that I wanted to just mention, just give very, very uh, uh, brief reviews, is a book that we read in our book club up here, which we talked about last time, how important the book clubs are here in Mezidan on our mountain. All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dewar. And remember, we had great discussion we about really it. Did. Yeah. It's a World War II based book with um, a young French blind girl and then a German young man mm -hmm. and how their lives interlocked. What I found most fascinating was this young girl's father who carved all the buildings in miniature and she could feel them with her fingers and then go outside. He would do the streets and the blocks and the various buildings and she would study on them, you know, at home, almost like a dog house or village. But we're talking some city streets here. Yeah. Amazing. It really was. It was a unique way to teach her. Yes. I thought. And then he took her out and, and had her count steps and do all kinds of interesting things. So, yeah, he was a really cool character. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating book. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't love it quite as much. Um, I didn't like the two main characters all that well. But, you know, I just didn't connect with him. The one, the character I adored was the uncle. 
Yes. You know, uh, you know, he he had all these screwed up mind problems, and but he just uh, I connected with him more than any of them. I can see why. Yeah, and I really enjoyed that part of the book, and and he he was so brave in so many ways that he wouldn't have thought of it himself. You know, he didn't acknowledge that about himself. Well, it was World War Two, and that that came in France, set in, set in France on the coast, somewhere right on the coast. Time. Yes, yeah, and uh, they were had the Germans in their lives, and it did bring out a lot of that kind of um, tension, which I had never really run across in any other book about World War Two. Is uh, how the French, um, you know, were kind of enmesh, or the Germans enmesh themselves into the, um, into their society. Very early on. Very early on. Yes. And, and it was fascinating about these young German boys who were just school boys yeah. and how they were indoctrinated. Yeah. Very upsetting. Yeah. It was interesting. It's, it's a good read. Yes. Definitely it, want to, um, it's available in a lot of, uh, been out for how long? Um, a year in hardback, yeah. a little over a year. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely readily available. Do you know the author was at Chautauqua this year, where I oh, always no. go, and I couldn't go this year, and he was there that week. How interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sometimes serendipity does Right, <laughs> right. So maybe I'll see him some other time. Yeah, really. The other book I wanted to talk about is a book from way back in 1996. Mm -hmm. And it was the second book in the Mitford series by Jan Karen, A Light in the Window. Mm -hmm. And it was very odd how I became acquainted with these Father Tim uh, books that take place in the town of Mitford, which is really blowing rock, I right, believe, yeah. and fashioned after it. I was working at a Books A Million store in Florida, taking a break from being an Alzheimer's nurse, and I was operations manager, which meant you know, all the books who came, that came in, or we would get authors sending us books, and we got a case of these two books that didn't have covers, I mean, they had covers, but no pictures on them, they were almost... Um, self-published but mm. not quite and and our headquarters for books a million sent them to us and said see what you can do with these so i took both of them home the first one was at home in mitford yeah. the first book the second one was a light in the window i think i read both of them that night <laughs> i can believe that they just were captivating so when people would come in I would say, if you buy one and you're not back in here tomorrow to buy the second one, I'll sell it to you at half price. Okay. And Or you might as well save yourself some time and just buy both of them right. now. And anyway, I one time I even sent um, Jan Karen and... A message on Facebook, and I said, I helped. I helped in your career. Absolutely. Because <laughs> we ended up selling, oh, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those books, as they did in many bookstores across the imagine. country. Is she still writing them? Is she yes. still writing them? 
Yes, I just read another Mitford one. Uh, she had gone to Ireland, mm. and I think there's even one after that. Okay. You yeah. know, even though they have a little bit of the sap, if I may say that. Well, they're they're mildly sentimental, but I love the first I, few. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I really did. And there were a couple in between that got yeah. a little bit okay, but yeah. I still like them. Yeah. The characters become like family. They're kin. Yeah, well, I probably ought to go back to them because after Father Tim got married, I was like, it seemed like the tension went out of mm -hmm. it for a while. You know, it just, everything was going too good. And I've seen that happen in a lot of genres. If, if you uh, wind up losing the stress, you lose the story. Yes, and, and you're right, in a couple of those middle books, but by the last two, she's okay. brought back in some tension. Okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll get back into them, because I did enjoy them. I, and, of course, it's always fun to read about an area you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, you know. which I'm, I'm not sure whether Blowing Rock has reveled in, in that notoriety, or if there's people who get tired of it. Well, it's a sympathetic portrayal, for sure. Yes, but I think, I mean all the people who go there, oh, all yeah, the well, tourists. Yeah, well, that's yes. true. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that could be. So, all right, do we have anything else that's a little tart that you can think of? Well, those were the two picks, two books that I had uh, chosen to talk about. Okay. I have a couple quotes. Do you want to hear yeah, those? Yeah, absolutely. These happen to be the quotes that are up on my Facebook page. Oh, yeah. And I never go to that, you know, about section up there. Um, but I happen to think that these were about light and dark. Okay. The first one is from Mark Twain. Everyone is a moon and has a dark side which he never shows to anybody. Which was so true of Mark oh, that's Twain. absolutely true, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the second one is by James Michener. An age is called dark, not because the light fails to shine, but because people refuse to see it. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? That's really good. Yeah. I like that one a lot. For sure. You want to know the other ones, even though they don't have anything to do with light that I have up there? Yeah. Hey, if I'm putting them out as my yeah. favorite quotes, yeah, really. I, I should share them. This, this one is by Pascal. The heart has its reasons, of which reason knows nothing. Isn't that true? That's Sometimes we fall in love with someone and our mind is going, no, 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 no. Yep. And our heart is going, yes, yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what the mathematician Pascal meant, but well, he was a philosopher too. Something along those mm -hmm. lines, yeah. Okay. Oh, and this is one of my all-time favorite Mother Jones one. Mm -hmm. Pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Good old Mother Jones. Yep. She was the coal miner's hero. Right. Heroine back there. Yep. In the coal West mine Virginia. wars. Yes. And this last one is by Tennessee Williams. There is a time for departure, even when there's no certain place to go. Okay. 
That's interesting. I only have one on mine as uh, really long as my symphony. Tell us if you can. You tell us by no, I can't tell you right off the. Um, it's the. Um, I shouldn't have brought it up. Oh, that's all right. You can share uh, it next it's, time. Yeah, it's transcendental stuff, you know. And it was one of the lesser you mean, known transcendentalists that oh. wrote a poem called My Symphony. So not Emerson or... No, and, but it's about living simply. Oh, yes. So I have it up on my uh, my blog at... Um, green. I think it's blog.greenberryhouse.com if you want to look for it. And, okay. And I might find it and do a link. Sure. Show notes, so. Sure, that would be good. So, so they yeah. don't have to wait till the next. Yeah, and I think quince. anybody anybody that knows me that reads it will understand why that's my all time favorite. So anyway, now we have a little unexpected. And the little unexpected is about basically what's happened this past couple of weeks. Um, we probably don't want to talk about me chasing the goats all over the yard. And stuff oh, like were that. you having to do that? Oh, yes. I've been having fun with the girls. The I, thought, I thought they were staying in. Yeah, they were. And day before yesterday, I came in to feed Daddy, and the little white goat was standing in the middle of the driveway. And she came running up, so happy to see me. And then she uh, made herself sick on apples. Apparently, <laughs> she was kind of quiet all day. And I got her in. She was fine. And then um, this morning, I came in to feed Daddy, and she came running out to greet me. And the big goat, through all this, is going, I can't get out. That's not fair. I can't get out. That's not fair. Do you know how she's Having getting no out? no idea how she got out. So I spent most of the morning fixing the fence again. So there's... Um, you had goats in the past, right? I have had goats, yeah. yes. Uh, and that's, a, that's when my husband said, we either get rid of them or me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I uh, I read a quote the other day, or a suggestion the other day that said, the only way to keep goats in is make sure there's nothing out there they want. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of hard to do when you got apples falling and pears falling and daddy's tomatoes. So, um so anyway, she stayed in all day today. We'll see what happens in the morning. So, but we've had more fun things to do. We went to a play. I have I've had a social life this week. It's been really interesting. We did have a good time oh. with our Saint Kathleen and her husband and Leslie and I headed down to the Cherry Orchard Theater at Levering's Cherry Orchard. Yeah, at Orchard Gap, Virginia. About a half hour yeah. south on the parkway right. and then over the mountain. Yeah. And we saw a locally um, written play by uh, about a West Virginia ghost. That's right. The Greenbrier Ghost. And it was awesome. And to, to connect the light in, um, it's on the side of a mountain. So it's kind of hard to describe. It's actually in the orchard. Uh, there's an old building over, as you go in, there's an old building kind of in front of you, uh, maybe a pack house, I don't know what exactly what it was, and then they have a st outdoor stage, and a little, in, on a little incline, and you bring your chairs, and you bring, people were bringing, um, they had wine, and they had um, snacks, and picnics, and things, so, so it was really nice, and it wasn't quite dark when they started. Uh, it was about 7 o'clock, and this time of year it's not that dark. 
but the sun was setting and uh, out across it's on the side of the mountain now across you can see the mountains way was, down in North Carolina right it was beautiful mm. yeah and um, the actors were all local uh, the best fiddle player I have ever heard except for all the other old-time fiddle players from way back he uh, I don't know a lot about styles and uh, it's old-time style but he played like the old-time fiddlers that I remember. Sure, so, you could hear that ghost of crying really, in, in, it in was his beautiful. fiddle. It really yes. was, and the actors were great. The um, ghost never said a word. But she was so effective. She was so good. Wow, yeah. what presence. She was. She was really, really She was good. creepy, too, yeah. at times. Yeah. Tell a little bit about the story, the ghost story. Right. What happened was, in the 1890s, there was a young girl who married a handsome young fellow who was from Old Droop Mountain area, and she was from a different part of Greenbrier County, and didn't really know his history. Uh, apparently, he had been married several times before both wives. One had been um, hurt very, very badly, and one had died. And anyway, but her mother sensed something was wrong with this handsome blacksmith fella and didn't trust him from the beginning. And her daughter started withdrawing more, not coming around, black eyes, you know, fell down the stairs, mom, and walked into the door, mom, you know, that kind of thing. And the way they presented the play was they had the mother talking and then they had the blacksmith himself, you know, different scenes. So you heard two different perspectives. But how the court case unraveled was they let the mother's testimony of the daughter's ghost talking to her four different nights in a row. And she told the story of how he had twisted her neck. Mm -hmm. And they actually let that be part of the court case. First and only time that I know of in jurisprudence that a ghost. Yeah, I looked that up. Did you? It was very interesting. The um, prosecution did not really bring it up when they talked to the mother. You know, they they said, you know, what did you see? Strictly by the rules. The defense brought it up. Uh, trying to make her look crazy? Trying to make her look crazy. And the judge allowed it. And the judge had no choice. Because it was the, because the defense brought defense brought it out. If the prosecution had brought it out, he probably could have had it stricken from the record. But because the uh, defense the defense did it, he couldn't. And I and it, there was a little place where I didn't quite understand when she said, "You did it to me." He was trying. He was telling this boy. He he was trying to tell the uh, invisible defense lawyer to shut up. Right. And uh, it didn't really come across as clear until I read that little bit that um, he realized, or the character in the play is realizing that the defense hung him. Oh, that his own attorney. Yeah, yeah his own attorney actually did it. And he did bring that out. And my hearing isn't good, and it might have been clearer 
than um, than it came across to me at first. But but they brought that out and it was very effective. Well, I grew up hearing that story. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did know about. My parents were married in Greenbrier County. Yep. Um, but that's something I need to do a little little more research on, and maybe I can ask my son. The lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that. Uh, well, that was, and of course, in 1897, you know, they may have had, but that was the reason that the judge allowed it, was because the defense brought it up, and it, the, um, I guess, the prosecutor to not make her look crazy, kind of glossed it over, and then the defense, um, he thought he was uh, telling her um, or making her look crazy, and the character realized that the um, jury was buying it. Right. The character in the play. So that was an interesting. It was a great evening, it wasn't was a it? Wonderful and evening. then we went to our friend's home for dinner. Yes. And then, I don't. Yeah, yes. their idea of a pickup meal, you know, four <laughs> courses, you know, and <laughs> oh, homemade everything. Unbelievably <laughs> yes. good. So we had a lovely, lovely time. So, uh, so what else has been happening in town? We had the folk fair. That was great. Yes, we've been very busy at Nancy's Candy. I've uh, been very busy here with several people around. And this things. is tourist season yeah, starting. And, and the pumpkins are starting to be harvested. It does not seem like it could be fall already. Oh, I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah, the, the ironweed is blooming down on the, in the pasture here. And um, all of the, uh, I have cardinal flower in my creek. Red lobelia. Yeah. Cardinal no flower. Care, yeah. Either yeah. way. Yeah, yes. it's beautiful and bright, bright. And, and the Queen Anne's lace is everywhere. That red lobelia was my father's favorite flower. That's and when amazing. I was a little child uh, out on a house call with him, he'd see it over in a cow pasture. He'd say, Bathy, Go over that fence and just take one and bring it home. We'll take it home to mom. She'd uh, love it. I said, Dad, I don't want to go crawling over uh, that fence. The <laughs> farmer's going to shoot me. I would just get her one. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I wrote about that story up on my blog. Uh -huh. So I think my blog is on our Quint site, too, well, isn't um, it? Well, you're, um, you're as one of, our, of the members. This probably should show. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, certainly on my Facebook, so they can go up and read the story. It's called okay. A Red Lobelia Evening. And you've got some great stories on there. Oh, you thank need to you. do some more. Thank you, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as the book comes out <laughs> so in, in the next couple done. months. Yeah, and we got everything else caught up. Yes, and I'll be starting teaching a class in a couple of weeks, too. Oh, so, yeah. life that, is busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we're never bored in Meadows of Dan. It seems. All right, we're probably off to wrap up by now. We're almost at 45 minutes. And um, our show notes are at quintspodcast.com. We'll have some links to some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, our word of the day for next time. It's is my your turn, turn Leslie. my turn. And I think I'm going to choose story. Oh, you know, I love that. Yes, and so do mountain people. So Excellent. I think that will be a good one. So good night for now, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Good night.
Downtown.